Okay, let's get cracking. After you. Hi everybody, welcome to a very special festive episode of Pronouns in Bio. We are very proud to present to you the Pronouns in Bio Christmas Survival Guide. Um, It's Christmas. Christmas. Merry Chrysler. It's Christmas. Merry Chrysler. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) That's why it's the Christmas Survival Guide and, you know, none of this leftist happy holidays shit. We need it to be Christmas so we can do the reference. Yep. Free speech. Yeah. We're saving America this episode. (laughs) One episode at a time. (laughs) Do you know if those people are still, like, around? What, Americans? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where the fuck did they go? Didn't they have, like, a thing? Yeah. They were pretty important at one point, but then they kind of fizzled out. It was short-lived. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's because now that we have non-binary Joe Biden, he's more of a citizen of the world. <laughs> so don't. Oh. You thought you'd got away from him. I was so mad when I came across one of our own tweets the other day when I was laying in bed. Where, non- <laughs> oh fuck, where I almost just referred to him as non-binary Joe Biden, like completely uncritically. Um, <laughs> yeah, where so he had said, should. like, I have three words that would change the world and we retweeted i'm non-binary and a little part of my soul just fucking died (laughs) we actually got some fan mail shout out to all our beloved fans at home (laughs) saying that their favorite part of the episode was after non-binary joe biden you just like groaning and being (laughs) like this fucking sucks (laughs) that was all authentic that was an authentic expression of what i was feeling <laughs> Let's get to Christmas. Let's stop talking about these silly things and get straight to Christmas. Let's get to this. We're going to bring you today the Pronouns in Bio Survival Guide. Re, what is the Pronouns in Bio Survival Guide? We know that Christmas can be uh, a somewhat challenging time for people in our community, members of our community. Uh, and so we thought we would give something back to our listeners and create a, a sort of queer survival guide for the holidays to, to get you through the next couple of weeks. Just stay, yeah, stay tuned for some fun Christmas banter, a little light advice with our very own medical expert coming in. So that's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and once once we're finished, then whatever experience of the winter period you've got lined up, we hope that you'll be more equipped to deal with it as a queer person. Yes. And if you're not a queer person... Then first of all, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You are not the audience we were advertising to, so we're glad that we reached you. Yeah, that's good. And secondly, maybe from this, you can learn a bit more about how to communicate effectively with your queer friends and relatives over the seasons. Content warning, we're going to be talking a little bit about your fucked up cishet bodies (laughs) and all the weird shit that's going on with them. So It's just not normal. It's not. (laughs) It's not. It's not. But also, we want to try and think about the language that we use when we talk about your weird little bodies (laughs) and how that might affect our interactions. If you are a cisgender person or a heterosexual person and you're sat at home and you're twiddling your little moustache. Twiddling your weird little thumbs. Yeah, exactly. Rubbing your weird little thumbs together and uh, scratching your your strange scaly head. (laughs) then just know that this episode is as much for you as it is for us. We are the bridge. Mm. Love is love. Yes. We are the gateway drug. (laughs) We are.
<laughs> what does that even mean? Between cis people and trans people, you know, we we're like the cannabis oh. that allows cis people to smoke a bit of transness and I don't know, I completely <laughs> fucking lost it to be honest. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't question me on it, but you did. This, this Christmas, we're giving you the trans pass to smoke a little bit of that queer blunt. <laughs> and Have a bit of trans weed on us. By that logic, listening to this podcast will make you a little bit gay. It does. Isn't that our brand? I thought that was our brand already, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I guess normally we don't say the quiet part out loud because we don't people we don't want people to know that the trans agenda is real yeah, and strong. Yeah, like this is the trans agenda in action. We are we are it. Yeah. If you're hearing this and you don't like the sound of that, then I'm afraid it's too late. You've already been force femmed slash masked <laughs> slash force themed. You know, mm. it's not just two ways. Mm-hmm. Whatever identity you think would be the worst identity, buddy, you're on your way there. <laughs> and uh, what do you think the worst identity is, Cleo? What do I think the worst identity is? I've been very open about this before. It's Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but you just got to take the L on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your identity is not real. Your your identity isn't real. The three other boy wizard identities. Those are fine. Yeah, those are fine. Powerful, proud identities. (laughs) I will not share my pride march with a Ravenclaw. Like, I won't. At the anti-Ravenclaw podcast for anti-Ravenclaw people. Pronouns in bio. (laughs) Should we talk about fucking Christmas? Let's talk about Christmas. Right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've got all of our edgelord stuff into the first 10 <laughs> minutes now, so we can talk about something nice. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about which Christmas movies you should watch to get you through. I hear that, Cleo, you seem to have devised a system of analysing these Christmas movies. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I want to stress that I don't make the data. Mm. I just read it. Okay. So these are these aren't my own conclusions. This is just a kind of system of perception, and it's called the festivity index. Okay, and it essentially uses a series of discrete variables to measure the festivity of any given movie mm-hmm. from naught point naught, which would be not remotely festive, to twelve point zero. Okay, which would be maximum festivity. Only one movie. Well, one movie and one. Uh, series of YouTube videos has ever achieved the maximum festivity ranking of 12.0. Do you have an example of a 0.0 movie? You know, I've never actually thought about that before. We should find one. Let's find one that has, like, an absolute... just doesn't register on the scale of festivity. Just doesn't register as festive at all. So, the festivity index, crucially... It's a massive boost to your festivity rankings if your movie features or is about Christmas. But crucially... It's not a requirement. It's not a requirement and it can be other kinds of festivity. Mm. For instance, She's the Man, the Amanda Bynes, what is it, 2002-2004 flick, and the most progressive piece of analysis about sexuality and gender produced in the Western world. You say that like you're being sarcastic, but I know you genuinely do believe that. No, God, please, view, viewers at home, this is, this is one of my most sincerely held points. If you haven't seen She's the Man, watch it. Watch all the way to the end, to the scene where 
God, I don't want to spoil people, mm. but also I do want to talk about it. Let's park this. Okay. Viewers, go away. Watch She's the Man. We'll talk about it in a future episode. Okay. In the meanwhile, all you need to know is that it has a festivity index of 8.7, which is pretty, 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 pretty substantial. It's not remotely about Christmas, but in the way that it treats of sports and the culture of celebrating your buddies around sports, it acquires a pretty festive... Okay. Uh, a pretty festive ranking. Okay, so tell us about the festive movie that reaches a 12 on the scale. The only things that have ever ranked a 12 on the scale are Event Horizon <laughs> and Dark Souls lore <laughs> videos. Okay. I've not ever seen Event Horizon, but I said to you when we were planning this <laughs> that I was going to watch it in advance. And then I was looking for a movie to watch yesterday and I Googled it and just saw some like some really fucked up shit on Google Images. And I was like, I don't I don't think I want to watch this at Christmas. So I decided not to do it. So I, I kind of pussied out. So the festivity index shouldn't be taken as an indicator of family friendliness. Mm. It may sting us as queers to have to accept that, okay, real talk, I actually think the, oh, men love saying Die Hard is a Christmas movie or whatever thing is blown out of proportion in the same way that the watching a Scorsese film is a misogynist trait or, or, or whatever. I think it's a slightly manufactured discourse. doesn't mean it's not annoying, but it, even though it pains us to accept that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, it's a good indicator of the fact that the festivity index doesn't measure su- like family suitability. Well, 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 it definitely doesn't pain me to consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. Like, it, it is a Christmas movie. Like, it really, well, it really is, like... It happens at Christmas. We all perform masculinity in different <laughs> ways. Is is my trans mask just jumped out? Yeah, <laughs> I don't regret it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Anyone who says Die Hard isn't a Christmas, hism- it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Shit, you're right. That's such a perfect way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is for the boys now. Christmas movie. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> my understanding of Event Horizon only came from Google Images. I can kind of see we are going with the festivity in them. What about the Dark Souls lore videos? So there's kind of a bit of crossover, actually. Okay. So just to clarify uh, for what Rhi was talking about, for any of you at home, about to eagerly smash Event Horizon into Google Images with your sweaty little palms. <laughs> it's a movie about... A group of friends who are going on some kind of space adventure um, and they find a ship called the Event Horizon and they board it and discover that um, they've used science to create a portal to hell, which obviously has gone. I don't know if you want to describe it as gone wrong or gone right. You know, it went about as well as Mm. using science to create a portal to hell would go. Right. Obviously, lots of uh, lots of imps getting their dirty little jollies, tearing people apart with hooks and that sort of thing. Mm And there's already lots in there to endear it to the festivity index. There's a little bit where someone does some Latin. That's very Christmassy. <laughs> and Dark Souls lore videos. Dark Souls is the video game that's very hard, right? Yes. I don't know anything about Dark Souls. It's just that uh, one of our friends showed us some Dark Souls lore videos <laughs> a couple of years ago. I played it for about half an hour and it was just truly the most awful video game experience I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Leo. <laughs> Were there any bands? <laughs> yeah. So many. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, Dark Souls, um, as far as I can tell, also has, it's got a similar quotient of like fucked up little imps getting their dirty little festive jollies. And that's kind of what the festivity index is all about. And there's a real purity to it in that from what I could see in these videos, besides some kind of enormous gift giving bird, which again, very, very prominent. <laughs> it was just purely napping around, lighting little fires and dropping off little packages. And, and I don't know, the, the whole thing just had a tremendous spirit of the season to it. I can see that by that description. Yeah. I've, this whole time, by the way, I've been racking my brain trying to think of a 0.0 festivity index movie, and I, I just can't. Mm. Maybe like Ken Burns' Vietnam series or something. <laughs> yeah. I also was thinking about like a war documentary. I feel like that wouldn't have, that mm. would be pretty low on the scale. You would think that these war documentaries would have a reliable festivity index rating of 0.0. You know, you'll be sat there, you'll be eating your snacks, being like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in Vietnam. And then they'll do like, oh, it's Christmas in war or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. Everyone put their weapons down and had Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then suddenly Mm. it's back to the index. Although, to be honest, sometimes I think that shit is cynical enough that actually it might result in as much of a negative on the festivity index as it does a positive, so... That's true, yeah. I think it's relatively safe to say, without putting it through for a formal judgment, that Ken Burns, you are our official 0.0 festivity index filmmaker. (laughs) Congratulations. Ken Burns, listener of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll be thrilled when he hears. Yeah. (laughs) But seriously, like, queers out there... If you want a genuinely nice Christmas film that I watched recently for the first time, I genuinely really rate Home Alone. Mm. Like I was mm. I was really surprised by how well it holds up and how fun it was. Although mm. I I actually couldn't look at the screen for some of it because it has a lot of like slapstick injuries in it, mm. I guess, is the way to describe it. And for some reason, like just the way they were filmed was really realistic and it really made me like it really set off like a lot of the cringe like mm, oh that looks mm. so painful i can't i can't look at that so just i guess a fair warning if you're sensitive to stuff like that home alone's a real one yeah it's got the same plot <laughs> as die hard right um yeah yeah i guess <laughs> does it There's, yeah the, the bad guys invade a building and then a good guy goes wiggling around, setting up traps and bumping them off. That's, yeah. Okay, I see it. I see it. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know those guys in Home Alone die. You know he's heartlessly taking them out. <laughs> leaving a corpse as a warning. Absolute cold-blooded psycho. He is, yeah. The minute they get inside, that little kid is like, I'm not trapped in here with you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can't talk about Christmas movies for queers without addressing the... This year's elephant in the room, which is Happiest Season. Oh, right, um, yeah, yeah. So, spoiler alert for Happiest Season 2020. Um, although, Lord, find me a, a queer who didn't somehow psychically interpret it the minute it was released. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we all watched it. Let's not be, yeah. let's not, you know, beat around the bush. We definitely all watched it. Yeah. <laughs> because but there's been some very conflicted 
discourse about it with some very strong advocates on both sides. On both sides. Um, <laughs> as in whether or not it's a good queer movie, not like whether or not lesbians should be allowed to have Christmas. <laughs> Which, weirdly, Ben Shapiro, the, the fucking little Christmas elf that he is. Oh, does he have hey, a take on Happiest Season? He did. Well, he said, he said like, well, obviously I'm not against lesbians having a Christmas movie. And then, <laughs> but then was like, but if you are a conservative, this feels like being slapped in the face. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? I just want to be like, I'm not anti-lesbian. It's just like looking at lesbians makes me feel like I've been slapped. And like, me too, Ben, but I have a different whole feeling about that. Uh, thanks, Ben, for your input. Yeah, th- <laughs> thanks. That's what, I suppose there are three elements to the discourse about this. We should we should make sure that all perspectives are respected. There is Happiest Season is a good Christmas queer movie. Happiest Season is not a good Christmas queer movie. And every time I see two women holding hands, I feel like I've been slapped. So... Yeah. So do let us know where you stand. So I watched Happiest Season... And I think, I feel like I was missold a little bit mm, on mm. what it was going to be. But I don't know if that's my fault. But I really was going into it expecting this like fun, carefree, lesbian, jolly jaunt at Christmas, mm, you know. Mm. And I was really excited for that movie. And then the movie is funny, but it's also sad mm. a lot of the time. And it's this quite unflinching, but really, really good portrayal of like, what it's like being in the closet mm, and I just mm. I don't know I, I guess I felt a little bit unprepared for that when I was watching it and I came away feeling sad rather than feeling happy about the festive mm. period which again it reflects a lot of the difficulties of the period that queer people go through I just I really wanted a happy gay Christmas film and, and that's not what it was I suppose there's a kind of fleeting escapism to it in the sense that it is nice on a fundamental level to have a movie where Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are kissing each other. And even though they are like kissing each other, there are other gay people in the movie just like being there. And it's queer characters mm-hmm. played by queer actors and yeah, it's sure. written by a queer woman. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I also think you've sort of hit upon what I found so frustrating about the critical discourse around Happiest Season, particularly within the queer community community. Sorry, Ben, mm. if you're listening, but you know, <laughs> the door is always open. You're welcome to come in whenever you want. <laughs> Our podcast's secret mission is to force Femme Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Femme Shapiro. <laughs> the most powerful phrase in the English language. I saw a lot of critical discourse about it, and in advance of this, if if you're listening to anything I'm about to say and you think, God, Cleo, you fucking suck. You're right. I do. You're so right. I hate that I'm engaging with this. You hate that I'm engaging with this. Nothing of good is being produced here. Just know that I've had that whole thought process and I'm still doing it anyway. Thank you. All right. Namaste. Hit us. Hit us. Here goes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of, like, very right-headed points being made about, like, this is really chilling, you know, you should never treat your partner this way, this is not an acceptable way to act in front of the person you love, like, this 
character has had too many chances and is still fucking up. And this is, is all... this is this like directed at Mackenzie Davis's character? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. the plot of the film, without wanting to spoil it too much, if you haven't seen it, is that Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are a young lesbian couple who go to Mackenzie Davis's family for the Christmas holidays only for Kristen Stewart to discover at the last minute that Mackenzie Davis's character isn't out to her family yet and they have Mm. to pretend that they are straight roommates rather Mm -hmm. than a couple and the film is quite unflinching in its portrayal of the the pain that this subsequently causes Kristen Stewart's Mm. character and people are completely right and I think probably being quite empathetic in their assessment of the fact that that is not appropriate behaviour but I think it missed the point for me in that that is in the text of the film you know this is a film written Mm. by Clea Duval like she knows a coming out story there's almost been a misinterpretation in the broader discourse that the film is saying this is an okay way to behave or the film is saying "We're, we're doing this to be a role model for gay people like yes it's spoiler alert it's a happy ending and they end up back together. Of course it is. It's a romantic comedy. The least they can yeah. do is serve us up a queer film where it ends with a kiss. Like, come on. Like, it has to. Time. Yeah, that's it, right? Like, it absolutely had to have a happy ending. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a good queer movie, right? It needed it, it needed yeah. the happy ending. Like, yeah. And I, abs- I, don't, I don't resent the movie for its happy ending at all. I think that, like, does a lot of work to save it, right? Yeah, like back in 2009 or whatever it was, my introduction to queer cinema, because, you know, back then I was just Googling, like, films for gay people. And it's all beige noir and blue is the mm. warmest colour and stuff. And I remember trying to get into it because I wanted to be, like, an art film person or whatever and just being like, fuck, this is a lot. Mm. I don't think it denigrates the point that if you saw that behaviour happening, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, red flag. But mm. the film, the film needed a happy ending so it wasn't just another carol not that you know i love carol it's an amazing movie but we have a lot of carols yeah yeah, yeah. and also the point of the movie is something like the trauma that the closet inflicts on you persists long after you start being who you are um yeah and that that and that becomes a part of you and all of us have to process that and being beautiful self-aware empathetic beings still doesn't necessarily mean that you do it right like there are plenty of people to whom i was the mackenzie davis you know i think one of the things the film does really well is capturing what it feels like to be in your 20s your Mm. sort of mid to late 20s and returning to your parental home over the holiday and the weird ways that you and they regress because you're back in the space that you were when you were a teenager, when you were a different person and you're now not that same person, but your parents don't necessarily know the person that you've become. Mm. And so there are these weird expectations around behavior that like make us regress in one way or another. And I'm, I'm like really sensitive to that. And like, I can see it happening in myself sometimes. And like, I don't like it. And so I think it does a great job of, of showing what it feels like to go back into that space. And then, how that feeling is amplified if part of who you are is a queer identity that you haven't been able to express in front of your parents yet. Mm. That pressure is just like doubled down as a queer mm. person to go back into that space. I had a lot of empathy for Mackenzie Davis's character. Like when I was watching it, I was definitely like, this is a really toxic relationship and I really don't think this is good for either of them. I was relieved that in that final scene or near the end when there's that big confrontation in front of the whole family and Kristen Stewart turns around and is like it's too late 
Mm. I was like, yeah, it fucking is too late. I was glad they showed that and still managed to find the happy ending. Like we got both and that was really important. Yeah, exactly. You're so right, by the way, about the spaces that these places that we grew up in effect on us. But also like in a broader sense, Happiest Season does an amazing job of telling this story and also playing by the rules of a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's still really funny. I think some of the criticisms that were unfairly levied against it, criticisms of behaviour or whatever, sort of overlooked the fact that like, this is just how romantic comedies work. Like, nobody is saying romantic comedy as a genre is an excellent model for how you should practice in your romantic exactly. and sexual relationships. Exactly, yeah. It kind of has not to be because otherwise there wouldn't be any japes. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be funny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Pronouns in bio endorses happiest season. There we go. We we said it. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. Yes. Please, (laughs) please, please don't cancel us. But we do love the movie. No, I think if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But it's not like an absolute romp in the park. But it's still really funny and worth it. Treat yourself to a pronouns in bio double bill of happiest season and event horizon. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Shot yeah, chaser. With Christmas cheer. I think I think yeah. Happiest Season has a festivity ranking of probably like 10.6, 10.7. I I disagree. No, I really? think it's not. Because I, I personally feel that I felt sadder for longer than I felt happier watching the film. That it's got actually got like a quite a low festivity index ranking, but it's still a good film. I'm simultaneously both. <laughs> Really, really thrilled to be having a serious discussion about the festivity index and like <laughs> suffering the wounded pride of one whose whose creation has escaped them. <laughs> you know me, I fucking love categorizing shit. Yeah. I take that shit so seriously. <laughs> I wanna plot every single one of my friends on a graph and then discuss it for an hour afterwards. Sometime in future let's do the pronouns in bio ranking systems episode. Yeah, we'll do the graphs episode. Maybe we'll start a Patreon, and if you want to become a Patreon subscriber... Tell you what, listeners at home, please, 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 if you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, and for a small monthly amount in the region of one or two pounds, we will make you some bespoke (laughs) pronouncing bio ranking systems, (laughs) then drop us a line. We can do this. That is something that we can do. Systematise your world. Okay, well, we've been talking about Christmas movies for like half an hour now. So shall we move on to the next segment? So for the next segment on the show, we're going to go to Gaze of Future Past. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Re, could you introduce us Gaze of Future Past? This is the segment of the podcast where one of us will try to convince the other that a figure, be they historical, literary, fictional, real, was actually gay and or trans uh, in one way or another. So Cleo, who is our gay of future past this week? Thank you very much, Ree. So in keeping with the festive spirit of this episode, today's gaze of future past is none other than Scandinavian winter spirit Krampus. <laughs> We did actually try to get Krampus on the show today, but find out that they are too busy. Mm. They're double booked playing Animal Crossing with (laughs) non-binary Joe Biden. It's a busy time of year for Krampus, to be fair. It is a busy time of year for Krampus. So my proposition for you today, 
This is kind of cheating. Okay. Because honestly, anyone who looks at Krampus... <laughs> viewers at home, please just Google image Krampus. It's actually a weirdly non-horny Google image search. <laughs> so this one is safe. If you Google Krampus, you see that look. You know there's something a little funny going on there. You know you know that dude's not quite right in the old gender. Gender department. That... Yeah, exactly. There's there's some funny accounting going on in the gender department. If you Google Krampus. <laughs> what I want to argue today is a bit more specific. I want to argue about Krampus's particular identity within the queer community. Okay. And try and get really crunchy and granular. Because I actually think, when you really look at it, we all know a queer like Krampus. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, when you when you look at Santa Ree, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind when I look at Santa? He's pretty straight, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, he's a absolutely. cishet, right? It's pretty obvious. He is, and and just to add the answer that I know you were going to go for next, he's a capitalist. <laughs> that is what that is on the tip of my tongue. It was, yeah. Yeah, that that is where his that is where his cishet energy comes from, as well as the fact that in like every established piece of Santa literature, he's you know married to Mrs. Claus, lives in a little cottage, owns a small empire of indentured servants. He's absolutely part of the landed gentry, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's a landlord. He's a fucking landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the Santa Okay, class. so tell me about Krampus. Well, yeah, so unlike Santa, who, despite the fact that he's ostensibly uh, a gift-giving spirit, has consistently, over the years, given more gifts to families with more wealth every single year, mm-hmm. Krampus doesn't give gifts to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, a real socialist. And, in fact, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if there's one thing we know about socialists, it's that they hate handouts. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. Okay. It's said that Santa rewards the well-behaved with gifts, but he doesn't. Santa rewards the wealthy. So it follows that although we're told that Krampus punishes the ill-behaved with pain, I actually think that that's fake news and that Krampus instead punishes the mm-hmm. wealthy now combine that with the fact that Krampus goes around with what in some depictions is a stave or what do you call it? Like a like a birch sprig, like those they have in those weirdly kinky saunas <laughs> and goes around thrashing people. And yet Krampus is celebrated for this. Now, if there is an intersection of communism and communities with a beloved invitation to thrashing. It's it's a certain kind of gay. <laughs> you took a while to get there, but you got there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all I'm saying. It's, there are two kinds of environment where you find people who look like Krampus and act like Krampus, and they are... The bathhouse, as in, like, our bathhouse, not the more general Scandinavian mm-hmm. bathhouse... Mm. And Warped Tour. 
And you do need to be careful because if you start trying on your bathhouse spiel on the warped tour, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have problems, baby. Okay, is that all of your points? Shall I make my verdict? I think we can make your verdict, yeah. I think that's a completely sound argument with no holes in it whatsoever. Nothing offensive. An all-around well-made <laughs> argument. Uh, so, Krampus, <laughs> Krampus, you are our gay of future past. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for validating my argument. It was completely sincere. I didn't just phone it in for like a third time running <laughs> by saying about how gay people love BDSM. Um, uh, no, there's definitely not a common theme happening here. It's not. <laughs> Next time we do one of these bits, I need to just sit down and check myself that I'm not just looking at my notes and being like, gay people love to have sex in public and get their bums slapped. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, maybe it was funny the first time, but I do worry that anyone in our audience who isn't just a lost soul is going to start tuning out. I was uh, very thorough in my preparations for my Bandicoot Gay of Future Past. Maybe you could take a leaf out of my book and, and really sit down and dedicate yourself to the craft. That is true. Yeah, I didn't look up any Bandicoot facts for my Krampus mm. piece. Well, anyway, if you do think that Cleo's been phoning it in, then uh, you <laughs> can always know. you can always drop us a couple of quid on the on the old uh, the old begging link, and maybe I'll maybe I'll consider not phoning it in in future. Um, on the other hand, if you feel represented by this particular uh, by this particular episode of Gaze of Future Past, then let's all raise our birch sprigs together to Krampus. This episode's Gay of Future Past. Here, here. Hi listeners, welcome to the Pronouns in Bio middle break. You can use this opportunity to get a cup of tea, relax, maybe meditate for a bit, really visualise your goals, or <laughs> if you're feeling charitable, you can listen up for an opportunity about how to materially improve our lives. So you won't have heard this because we'd stopped recording for half of it, but this announcement actually comes on the end of... Just some full-on Chuckle Brothers <laughs> recording f- situation. Yeah. Just really screwing the pooch on that one. Yeah, we ju- you won't have heard this, listeners, but we just spent like half an hour trying to fix a whole range of ailments that were getting in the way of us recording. But one thing that could fix that is more money so we have better equipment. And then exactly this whole process would be so much smoother. I couldn't have said it better myself. If you're thinking you can hear the frustration and the tiredness in our voices, if you're thinking, <laughs> these, these are a couple of gays on the edge. We are. They really need <laughs> to feel more at ease with their whole recording process. Then fortunately you can help by going to our Kofi. It's at kofi.com forward slash pronouns cast. That's ko-fi.com forward slash pronouns cast. Donations can be as little as you like, and every little bit really does keep us going. It honestly gives us a warm spark of festive joy every time we see that we've got one of the little, yeah, the little notifications in. Thank you so much to to people that have donated us a coffee. It's uh, genuinely really lovely to receive those emails, so thank you so much. It really is. It really is. I, I kind of want to do like a fun bit about it being the best Christmas gift that we can get. But also I am genuinely touched by 
how kind everyone has been about this new project of ours, and it really has encouraged us to to do more stuff, really. So over the over the next rest of the month and into the new year, watch out for watch out for more stuff. Yeah, more stuff. Really, thank you so much. So for our next section, uh, it's actually a very special section. Ordinarily, we do our Ally of the Week. But this year, we thought, rather than just talking about the Ally of the Week, why don't we bring them to you? Mm. And Joe Biden was busy. And Krampus was busy. Mm -hmm. But we were able to get a special medical expert in. But uh, Rick, talk to us a bit about what they're going to be talking to us about today. So... As part of our Christmas survival guide, we know that one of the difficulties of going home over the holidays is being able to, you know, handle your shit if one of your relatives comes out as cis. You never think it's going to happen to someone in your family, but, you know, they live among us and it happens. And so we thought that we could help you deal with this kind of festive problem by getting in a guest that can answer some questions that you might have around the mysteries of the cis body. This is our new advice column, just the tip. Yeah, we are your agony gender neutral relatives here to answer your questions about, I guess in this case, about the holidays and, um, you know, your weird family members. We <laughs> shouldn't be calling them weird, but hopefully this is something we'll learn from our medical expert we're gonna yeah we're gonna demystify we're gonna demystify the cis body for you so that when you are confronted with a relative that has come out as cis you won't have Mm. to ask those burning questions directly to their faces you'd already have the answers and you'll be well equipped yeah exactly you know especially because of the portrayal of cis people in the mainstream media if you found out there was one in your own family you might you might be tempted to just like hoik up your skirts and start honking and hooting on the table and mm. smearing your shit on the walls <laughs> and that wouldn't be very festive it, it would ruin christmas dinner and you might not have to it's mm. not the only option you know we don't like to get too serious here on pronouns in bio we we started this podcast to get away from the issues but this is a serious subject it may be hard to believe but we're hoping that by getting an expert in to peel back their moist, sticky skin and show us what's working <laughs> underneath, we can understand that they're people too. So we are really, really proud to welcome onto Pronouns in Bio our very own in-house medical expert, Dr. Tits, with her new advice <laughs> column, Just the Tip. Uh, Dr. Tits, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here. It's a new format for me because I've actually been consulting on uh, embarrassing bodies. You may have seen it on Channel 4. (laughs) So this is a fantastic way to get my expertise out to a whole new crowd, presumably one who are too cool to watch embarrassing bodies. I thought you sounded familiar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, you may have seen me from the segment where a young man came in very concerned about his gender identity because he had been attracted to Tyson Fury from the popular (laughs) programme Love Island and uh, I did end up diagnosing him as just being a person. (laughs) (laughs) That's really bold work and um, Mm. I'm so glad you've mentioned embarrassing bodies because we are, today Mm. on the show we've actually been talking about what to do with some very embarrassing bodies Mm. um, 
Which is as much to say, if, if you go home over Christmas and you find out that one of your relatives has come out as cisgender, you know, what do you do with their, their weird little body? We figured it might be good to get some, like, awkward, embarrassing questions about, about you know, weird cis bodies out of the way now so that if any of our listeners encounter them around the Christmas table, they uh, their burning questions will already have been answered and they can just have a nice, smooth Christmas. Of course, of course. It's a wonderful resource, really, because... The more we know about cis bodies, the better, because we don't want to treat them like they're freakish or wrong or right, against right. God, um, as some might say. <laughs> so really, to have an educational position, this is fantastic. Thank you, Dr. We are 100% committed to education here at Pronouns in Bio. Mm-hmm. Everything we say is both true in reality and in the eyes of the law. And meticulously researched as well. We've never been wrong and we will never go back on anything we say here or in front of a judge. That's the pronouns in bio guarantee. (laughs) So my question is about something that I've seen a lot about online, but I really don't know what it's about. And I feel quite embarrassed because cis people talk about it a lot. And obviously I don't want to intrude on their community, but I do want to be an ally. And the thing is gametes. So I understand that cis people can be recognised by their large gametes but I don't actually know what one is and I was wondering if you could clear that up for us. That's actually a very interesting question so as a medical doctor studying gender and human bodies and sex in fact gametes are a relative unknown in my community because <laughs> a gamete is half of a human child if you will it's it's a sex cell <laughs> and it's about babies and Thinking about babies during sex is what we refer to in the community as medically sus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not actually something I myself know a lot about, but I can tell you with great confidence that cis people have them and sometimes care very much about them. So mm. if they do talk about them, it's important to respect it because even though it's disgusting and weird, mm. it mm. mean it mm. means something to them. Think of it as when you talk to a small child at Christmas about the fact that they can fly, uh, you just have to respect it. You just mm-hmm. have to go along with it. It's mm. it's more, it, it makes an easier Christmas. Mm. So be respectful of the gametes, but don't ask too many questions. Absolutely, absolutely, mm. because they are complicated. Mm. Mm. If I'd known that and just gone out into the wild and someone had started talking to me about this, I would have said, oh, these people are perverts. And I'm so glad that <laughs> we've taken this time so that I can learn respect. Mm. No, absolutely. It's it's very important to respect the cultural practices that cis people choose to undertake. <laughs> you know, sometimes they will indeed have sex for the purpose of creating a child, which is something oh, that we don't know gross. much about. Mm. It's really a medical unknown at this point, but it's something that we have to choose to see as all right. It's definitely a cultural practice I'm interested in learning about because I really want kids one day, but obviously I would never think about using sex to get them. (laughs) No, of course not. It's quite uncomfortable to think about. No, exactly. Mm. It's like trying to cook a pot plant in a microwave. It's just not going to work, really. I feel I feel enlightened. This is going well. May I ask a question? Absolutely, please. If anything, I think if I hear any more about gametes, I might be a little bit sick in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to move on from the gametes, to be honest. 
Mm. So my question is skeletal. Mm. So we know, us professionals, that trans women get their skeletons taken out to become trans women. Mm-hmm. Trans men get their skeletons put in to become trans men. And non-binary people aren't concerned about skeletons because they are ghosts. So my question is, A, what do cis people do about skeletons? And B, I've noticed that they seem very concerned with skeletons. And I would like to know what to do if I come across a cis skeleton in the wild. How to treat it respectfully? Should I bury it? You know, how do I treat a cis skeleton with respect? That's a very interesting question, actually, because cis people have their own practices when it comes to skeletons. They are actually born with a certain kind of skeleton already within them. Right. Okay. It's something that is quite malleable. Mm -hmm. It's something that can change over time. It's something that they sometimes accidentally can damage by doing things like motocross or engagement (laughs) parties, hen parties, any of those practices. Gender reveals? Indeed. A great harm to the cis community, actually. They're very particular about it. They do really like the idea of skeletons defining their identity, um, which... Yeah, can yeah. sometimes lead to a bit of a jar. So it's important to remember that while the rest of us understand skeletons and gender, cis people, they just don't. It's like a cat looking at a bus timetable. It can see it. <laughs> it understands the physicality. It cannot and will not ever comprehend. If I do come across a cis skeleton in the wild, should I just, you know, leave a respectful distance between the skeleton and I or? Yeah, no, you can either leave it to its own devices if it seems like it's checking a football score, something important like that. You can also Uh offer it some dark fruits. (laughs) That can be a respectful little practice for you. Uh If you have a cis skeleton in your family, in fact, you know, you may find one in a family home from time to time can be slightly, uh, Mm. I don't want to say terrifying, but Mm. it can Mm. be jarring. You can, in fact, just Mm. put on Wallace and Gromit because that is a great cultural (laughs) unifier. You know, you can just come in, put on Mm. Mm. a grand Mm. day out. You can just think, yes, yes, this this is everyone. Everyone likes Wallace and Gromit, right? Exactly. This is something that we can all enjoy, regardless of how cursed we all are. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. I think that's actually just really good advice for any of our listeners at home. Like, if you feel like there is a cultural divide precipitating within your family, Wallace and Gromit and a can of dark fruit. That is genuinely really great advice. It really will. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's something that will really smooth over just most things. <laughs> yeah, it really will. So is, is this the origin of the phrase skeleton in the closet then about cis people finding skeletons and then burying them around the home in their funny yeah, little ways? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun little idiom that we, we might be able to trace back to uh, what we know as modern day Wales, but is actually the cis homeland. <laughs> <laughs> All cis people come from Wales. <laughs> Originally, you know, like, lots of cis people have been born and raised in normal countries. Yeah, if we take it back to the roots. I'm not saying we should get the calipers out at Christmas, but... uh... I'd like to apologise to any of our Welsh and trans listeners out there. 
Yeah, this bit is treading the line. <laughs> I feel like if you're a Welsh trans person, then yeah. <laughs> to our Welsh listeners, we have the utmost respect for your culture. <laughs> I'm really sorry for getting you cancelled for Christmas, guys, but science, <laughs> science doesn't bend. That's true. Science only cares about facts and logic. That's the thing. Science is a really interesting tool in our arsenal because it's like having an opinion but no one can argue with it, which is actually really useful. Maybe I should consider a career change and become a scientist. Oh yeah, absolutely, because no one's allowed to question you on it. Yeah, you can never be wrong. That is true, yeah. Because we make a lot of generalised um, statements on this podcast that, that could potentially, you know, upset people, or at the very least be, uh, be, be, be interpreted as incorrect in one way or another. And we kind of are at the mercy of the fact that those are just things we've said. Whereas if we became medical doctors like yourself, then those things would be facts. Mm. Absolutely. It's really, really handy to be able to pull that out in a foreign country if you need to, if you may have been doing anything <laughs> that could be considered as uh, illegal. You can just say, mm. well, actually, I'm a scientist and legally they have to let you go. They can't, they can't charge you with anything. Mm. Mm. That's a, a top tip true. for our listeners. It's why people say, is there a doctor on the plane? Because they want to see if they've got anyone that they can give their cocaine to so that they can get it back through <laughs> on the other end. Cool. Well, I think I'm quite satisfied with the biological knowledge we've gained here. It was really nice to get like just a straight answer. You know, like I didn't have mm. to worry about offending anyone with my questions. You know, I was just curious and I had a question and it was answered. And that's all we really asked for. That's great to hear, actually, because this is a difficult time of year for a lot of people. It brings us all together with family members who we may not see eye to eye with. It makes us confront some fairly emotional things uh, that we may not be able to easily resolve. So if I can impart any advice for this Christmas season to your listeners, I would say just try to hear them out, you know, just mm. try and pretend to be normal. It's not normal, mm. but try and pretend. Put skeletons <laughs> and gametes aside and try and enjoy exactly. your Christmas. And what you can actually do, a fun little science experiment, if you would like to demonstrate to a cis person what it's like to be either queer or trans, you can fill up a little beaker, if you've got a little kind of container or something, with some spit. And what you can do is you can get them to spit in a beaker too, and then you just play a hundred gecks and the <laughs> spit will dance. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we actually aren't sure in the medical community why queer and trans spit just absolutely goes hog Fucking wild. Nuts for a hundred gecks. For a hundred gecks, but it does. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the scene from the thing. You can easily use it to sort out who's who in the room. Mm. Exactly, exactly. It's a really interesting way of illustrating some great science in action. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Doctor Tits. It's really really valuable advice you are welcome <laughs> to our viewers at home if you do have any questions for dr tits's column in future then do let us know because this has been great for us from a knowledge gaining perspective and i'm sure i'm sure that there's good to be done for you as well and always remember to tune in to embarrassing bodies where i will be taking questions on some of the most divisive issues of our time, and also getting into fist fights with Dr. Christian. <laughs> 
That man does need a punch, to be fair. A deeply, deeply unpleasant man. <laughs> he is deeply, deeply unpleasant. I don't know. Yeah, the, the real embarrassing body is is his after you're finished with him. <laughs> exactly. Just you, you might not know it from the audio medium, but Dr. Tits has a haymaker with a kick like a camel. <laughs> The last segment on our show, we're going to get a little bit cosy with all of you, a little bit schmaltzy, a little bit gooey, and talk a bit about the meaning of Christmas. I'm talking mm. about this like I'm leading up to a funny joke, but I don't actually have a funny joke planned. No, we want to be a bit sincere. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a rare moment of sincerity for, for pronouns and bio. Obviously this year, all talk of awkward families, Christmas difficulties for queer people and so on and so forth aside, whether you are cis or straight or normal... <laughs> then it's going to be a very different Christmas for a lot of us than it would be usually. And so we wanted to share a little bit about our experiences of doing Christmas away from home or Christmas with queer family rather than with birth family, which is something that we'll be doing this year because of the situation, but also something that we've done before and want to say that wherever you are and whoever you are, you can have a a jolly Christmas, the pronouns in bio guarantee. Absolutely. So Cleo and I uh, actually spent Christmas together last year uh, in 2019. We decided for the, the first year that we wouldn't do the, the travel back to our family home and we'll have a, a nice gay Christmas together. And on Christmas Day last year, we were kind of plotting various ways and means to try and convince our other close circle of friends in Norwich to also stay and then we accidentally manifested COVID-19 and now we're all staying. So, so sorry about that. <laughs> that. That was really on us. Be careful what you put your manifestation to mm. this year, because I think we can all agree that Bant, as it was at first, COVID-19 has worn a little bit thin. Yeah. But it was a good time, right? Like, I think... <laughs> the, sorry, I mean, it was a good time. Last Christmas, not oh, it was, was a good time. <laughs> I don't know if you can describe COVID as a good time. Like <laughs> that would have been such a bold claim. I was Look, we're all said like, and done. We've had a laugh. We do like to be contrarian and controversialist on this podcast, but even that might be a bit far. <laughs> COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. <laughs> Pronouns nineteen. No. Pro- <laughs> Pronouns in bio, the pro-COVID-19 podcast. No, no, cut that. Cut that in post, please. <laughs> but then actually on Twitter, there have been some either rich or otherwise deranged people saying that actually lockdown has been great for them because they've been able to, you know, spend more time with their family or kind of reevaluate the, their priorities about work and going into the office because they've just had working class people coming to their houses to drop everything off for them did you see the kim kardashian tweet that like she had taken like 25 people to like a private island and then was like (laughs) trying to like humble tweet about it and it just it was really bad (laughs) yeah there's just that man in the back with a mask on who's like serving them and he just has a really really sad look in his eyes it's just so sad (laughs) oh There's a kind of COVID safe discourse that while I don't know if any of us participate in to the same extent as someone like Kim Kardashian, we've all kind of 
learned to recognize that particular pattern of speech that's like talking about a fun thing that you did but being careful to specify every turn how safe it was. The Kim Kardashian thing where she was like, everyone was vaccinated. Like mm. the, we had the island to ourselves. I've also like, I don't know if this is just me personally, but you know, I live in an echo chamber and I'm sure everyone feels the same way I do. I've just kind of had enough of celebrity culture. Like I was never really super into it anyway. I just think that celebrities have really worn everyone a bit thin this year. And like we just collectively mm. as a species have decided that we've just fucking had enough of their bullshit. It was Gal Gadot that broke the camel's back. It fucking was. I, that was literally who I had in mind when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? When was Gal Gadot? Oh my God, imagined? like March. Like March, Fuck, April? you're kidding I think me. it was right at the beginning. It was right at the beginning, yeah. When the celebrities all did that like cringe fucking sing-along thing that they did and everyone just decided like no we do not want this this has not made our lives easier we had just all watched tiger king and we were all just fizzing (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) tiger king at least was a benchmark for me if the son of god himself came down and reassured me that gal gadot's imagine was march of this year i would (laughs) deny him three times i would send him on out of there like you you cannot persuade me that that was any less than eight years ago (laughs) i feel like i'm losing my mind enough about celebrities let's get back to good sincere christmas spirit that we did promise although on good sincere christmas spirit i will just say that i think the one exception to celebrity culture is new queer celebrities? Oh yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't including those in my call out. Absolutely, and those are a direct product of our podcast. Exactly. As we discussed earlier on the show, the energy that we give out has a powerful transing effect. There was that tweet that came out the day after Elliot Page came out that was just like, "We will trans another person every single day until our demands are met." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of leaving the horse's head in the bed, you're leaving hormones. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming for you next. Yeah. yeah if, if pronouns in bio doesn't receive 1,000 followers by Christmas, we will trans a beloved TV presenter. <laughs> Who would you trans if you had the option? Oh, that is an, a large question. I mean, right now, the Queen. <laughs> Imagine her announcement on Christmas Day. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. She's just sat there in like Adidas fuckboy robe. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think I can top that. I think the Queen is an excellent shout. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Queen, if you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> we see you, we value you, live your truth. <laughs> Fuck. Elliot Winter. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Absolute bullshit. Well, we started out trying to be sincere and we we lost our way a little bit, but... I do sincerely want the Queen to come out (laughs) as trans. But there are different kinds of sincerity. No, it was... When we did Christmas with Just Us, I think there was a certain amount of trepidation that I felt not that I didn't know I was going to have a good time because we always have a good time together but because even though it wasn't the first Christmas I'd spent away from home it felt like quite a meaningful break away from family expectations it was a way of saying you know you guys 
are my family, but also this is my family here in a different but very real way. A lot of people will be kind of embarking on that for the first time this year, not traveling back to their mm-hmm. their family homes, if if indeed they are able to do that at all. Um, so, you know, if you're feeling lonely mm-hmm. on Christmas Day, stick our podcast on. It will be like we're in the room with you uh, and you can celebrate <laughs> with us. yeah you can also even if you're on your own for christmas like call your call your gay friends get online with your gay network those are also things you can do as well as listening to our podcast i mean yeah you can do all of those things sure but also you can listen to the podcast (laughs) yeah feel free to drop us a line we're always happy to say merry christmas be gay do crimes Mm mm-hmm I don't know if you wanted to add anything, Kate, because I know that this year you've not been able to travel home because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I won't be able to go home this Christmas. I'm from Newcastle and uh, I think it just it's not really necessary. Yeah, Um, I've got like a few immunocompromised people in my direct family. And Mm -hmm. I think we can postpone Christmas, to be honest. I think we're going to do like a traditional April Christmas or maybe just... (laughs) uh, yeah give it a skip this year um so i'm probably just gonna spend christmas day it's actually the first christmas i've spent away from my family so i'm choosing to do it completely alone so i'll probably be playing skyrim and uh on zoom calls all day which you know there's there's worse ways to spend a day I think. that sounds pretty festive yeah for sure we're gonna call yeah right? yeah absolutely this isn't podcasting anymore this is me just confirming our <laughs> Imagine if Kate had said no and everyone heard. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> oh my God, Curved, live on air. <laughs> I'm starting beef with you on air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's good for the brand though. Pronouns in bio, first digital beef. <laughs> I did already say that I would start a rival um, conspiracy podcast about your podcast. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Is this because of the Jack from Mass Effect is a top thing? It's exactly because of that, and you know it. Big Bioware has paid you, and I am fucking on to you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not actually at liberty to disclose the sources of our funding at the moment, but suffice it to say, if Bioware did want to give us any six-figure sums to spread certain facts about the sexual positioning of their beloved characters, then... You know, who would we be to turn down that Christmas gift? So if you're listening, Bioware... Oh, they're listening. Oh, they're always listening. <laughs> There's a new Mass Effect coming out, isn't there? There's a whole host of new aliens to get horny for. Fuck yeah. They said that they were going to remaster the first three games, but then they released a trailer for the Game Awards the other night, and I'm not sure if it's for the remastered games or for a new oh, one. Okay. I think it's for a new one. Which is Yeah, the thing hype. is, I'm kind of hesitant to get excited because it will be the same team that made andromeda yeah i never played andromeda because it got such bad reviews it yeah it sucks pretty badly mm. i know we already had the video gaming episode but we do just need all of these teams whether they're at bioware or cd project red or naughty dog or wherever to make smaller games in twice the time yeah they don't need to be these like audiovisual masterpieces in terms of it being absolutely insanely crunchy 4D shit. I just want mm. like shit mm. graphics, good story, and it takes five hours to play it. I think people generally always favor highly stylized games over realistic graphics. So it almost sort of misses the point of what it's for. Like, you know, they're going to lovingly 
render every freckle on an alien's tits while completely missing the point that like, nobody except the real gamete-loving perverts out there actually <laughs> want to look at sex in a video game. You yeah. know? Like, we want to solve puzzles and shoot asteroids or whatever <laughs> you do. I might start bringing us to the end of this segment. If this is your first Christmas away from home, if this is your first Christmas with your queer family and not your birth family, if you're on your own because of the pandemic or for whatever reason, talk to us, talk to your friends, talk to your network, listen to us. There is so much queer Christmas joy floating around on the tubes, chatting about exactly how we want our sexy aliens to be digitally <laughs> rendered for our pleasure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of queer Christmas spirit out there just waiting for you. And it's the Queen. Is the Queen. His Majesty, the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) With surprise guest, non binary Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like weirdly less opposed to this one. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's quite sweet. (laughs) The thing is, I've been hamming up the assigned Joe at Biden bit because I know it winds you up, but I also. I'm quite endeared to trans man the queen in a way in a way that I'm not with Joe Biden. Yeah. I can't explain it. It's because we're British, I just, guess. We just we can't help but love the queen. But that's the thing, I fucking hate the queen. Yeah, me too, but not not <laughs> if she was trans. Is yeah, that's true. The queen actually <laughs> appeared in a TikTok recently. What? Wow. Really? One of the royal guards, is that what they're called in the red coats? From within Buckingham Palace, got his phone out and started recording a TikTok with the Queen actually in it. And I expect that he will be mysteriously disappeared. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's probably (laughs) been fired by now. (laughs) (laughs) Just been executed with a sword. What a bit, though, to get a job just to do a TikTok and then to get fired and potentially hunted down and killed by the royal family. I think that that's tremendous commitment. Yeah, that is is legendary behaviour. When you said the Queen has appeared in a TikTok, I thought you meant in the same sense that the Pope has a Twitter account and thought that the Queen was like floss dancing or something. Oh yeah, no, the Queen can do the renegades. <laughs> <laughs> that would be enough to make a monarchist of me if, if the Queen discovered irony posting. She does those TikToks where you like point at really sincere uh, quotes in text boxes. You just have like a green screen behind you. You just have like your face appearing in the bottom and it's just like copies of other people's tweets and you like solemnly nodding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get those videos. I think I'm just too old. We're all too old for this conversation. (laughs) Excuse me. I spend hours a day on TikTok. (laughs) Doesn't make you any younger. (laughs) (laughs) Anything, it makes you older. We're all just sat here being like, wouldn't it be funny if the Queen went on YouTube and meanwhile Gen Z are out there just like writing backwards and hanging upside down to sleep like bats. (laughs) Oh yeah, they are on some other world shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The kids are going to be all right. terrified of them. I think that's about all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. 
as always on Pronouns in Bio, we'd like to do a little shout out to a charitable cause before we wrap up. So Re, could you introduce today's special cause? Gender GP, a worldwide trans healthcare provider, has announced a fund to enable subsidised care for under 16s, largely in response to the recent disappointing Tavistock v Bell ruling. Gender GP has committed to protecting the rights for trans kids to access the care and treatment they need. You can donate to the fund or apply to be considered for funding through their website, gendergp.com. They're a really great resource for healthcare in your time, particularly in the UK when healthcare is becoming increasingly scarce. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kate. Thanks and for me. also uh, for uh, contributing your advice as Dr. Tits. You are welcome. She's a close friend, so it's always, always <laughs> lovely to speak to her. If any of the listeners out there have questions for Dr. Tits, then please tweet us and we will make sure that Dr. Tits sees them. Dr. Tits is a very busy woman, but we do have her ear. Yeah, please do get in touch with us if you have anything you'd like to see on the show, if you'd just like to say hi. You can reach us on Twitter, which is at PronounceCast. We've also now got an Instagram at PronounceCast, so if you like to consume your audio entertainment through a visual medium, then go over there. We're at PronounceCast there as well. We're also PronounceCast at gmail.com if you want to write us a little email. Keep things a bit old-fashioned. Send us a nice (laughs) bit of post. We'd love that. We'd love to read that. And if you want to make a donation so that we can keep this show going, so that we can look into doing more, I don't want to say better, but certainly more things (laughs) in the new year, our Kofi is ko-fi.com forward slash pronouns cast. That's kofi.com forward slash pronouns cast. Dr. Tits was brought to us by the wonderful Kate Menzies. You can find her on Twitter at Zelda Tits Gerald. Tits with a Z. I am Cleo Madeline. And I'm Ree Bricknell. And this is your reminder to this Christmas season... Get those pronouns in the bio. Put the pronouns in the bio. Pronouns in bio, baby. Boom. All right, nice.